Welcome to the No Chance Radio Show, a podcast about the world of streetwear, fashion, and everything and anything else. I want to welcome you listeners to season two, act two, aka episode 89, you know, for those who are all about like loyalty and <laughs> don't want to burn that, that, uh, that binge streak. My name is Ryan. I'm one half of this podcast. And as always, I got my guy. Yo, guy, uh, introduce yourself. <laughs> what are you into? What are your I'm favorite guy. foods? What are your hobbies? Yo. What's up, everybody? If you don't know who I am by now, you're fucking up. Still, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but my name is Nate, and I am the co host of this podcast as well. Let's get into I mean, it's been two weeks. Let's somewhat explain. You know why the need for an act two? Uh, I don't like using seasons. I feel like seasons are somewhat disappointing when it comes to like the second season. Um, the follow up and the sequel, I definitely didn't want to call it that. I feel like there's there's an onus on movies or TV shows to be better than the first season, um, which causes them to sometimes suck. <laughs> okay, okay. Name a movie where the sequel was better than the original. Damn. I almost want to say any of the Mission Impossibles or the really? Lethal Weapons. No, Rush Hour. Rush Hour Rush 2, hour, yeah, for I sure. think, was better than Rush Hour 1. Okay. Um, Lee! <laughs> Lee! Gotta! Gotta! <laughs> I definitely don't think Such a good that any of the Fast and Furious sequels are better than the first one. I'm sorry, but that, Tokyo Drift. No, okay, I mean, that was more of like a spinoff. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. They had to go yeah, to a whole other enough. fucking country just to make a yeah. movie better than Los Angeles. But yeah, I mean, act two to me, I mean, if we want to put it in layman's terms for when you're thinking about what, like a, a play, right? Like that's where acts come from. Um, act two essentially is the place where you incur conflict. Like it's the the troubling part of your play or your movie, uh, if you want to call it that. And I think it was it kind of represented like the next, you know, trajectory of the podcast of our lives of like incurring conflict and stress and, you know, all this shit going on in our, in our lives and just where this podcast has taken us. So, yeah. So basically anytime we're stressed out, we're just going to call it a new act. We're going to be like, <laughs> all right, yeah, we're taking three weeks off act three after that. <laughs> no, no, it's not an excuse. Don't listen to Nate. It's not just an excuse. Like, Yo, to I'm not really feeling episode. it today. Let's just call it act three. <laughs> no, you know what, all, what, what get, uh, what's kind of funny sometimes is when people are constantly in that, mode of their lives or that part of their lives where they feel like the need to reinvent themselves and it's like every other week <laughs> they're like a, a a completely new person or some shit like there's something about constantly rebranding or constantly reinventing yourself i'm not saying like you can't do that but when it's so often to the point where nobody knows who you are <laughs> then there's something troubling about that so that's why I think after two years, a nice little rebrand, a nice little switch up, it's not that bad, you know? I think we do things a little bit different from your typical podcast show, you know? Uh, we take relevant streetwear topics and, you know, we dissect them oftentimes to a very annoying extent, <laughs> but sometimes we try to find out, you know, why it is 
the way or why we wear the things that we wear. And I feel like whether we get down to it on a, like a psychological or like biological or whatever those other fucking sciences are, I feel like we get to the root of geological, sociological. I feel like we get to the root that at the end of the day, you know, our point is that streetwear plays a huge role in our generation, in our lives. And through the topics that we cover on a weekly basis, we're going to tell you why that's true. <laughs> we're uh, no chance to Domus. We're essentially the predictors of the streetwear world and this industry. And I feel like we've had a pretty good success rate in our uh, our conversations on, on what things have looked like and sort of the trajectory of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think we're pretty spot on when we, uh, you know, we're pretty... I, I think I'd like to say we're pretty informed and we we somewhat know what we're talking about and that we're pretty accurate when we're predicting things, you know? Yeah. And I don't think nowadays, if we can touch on this topic real quick, I don't think nowadays, like having uh, an extreme resume or extreme backing um, in any industry, I mean, obviously, like if you're a doctor, you got to go to medical school. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of having an opinion and, and the different outlets that are accessible for us, whether it's podcasting or, you know, people on YouTube, um, there are people that are, you know, providing their opinions and their reviews on products and things that may not have the, the, the experience that people that have had like tenured, you know, experience in this industry or have started brands. But Nowadays, there's so much access to information and being a consumer is more than just buying shit nowadays. You know what I mean? So it almost gives us more of a right to have this platform to, to speak about this shit. Yeah, we're like the uh, we're like the undergrad class of streetwear. <laughs> and then uh, like a like a Benny Gold or like Jeff Staple. That's like when you're trying to get your master's like that's that. Bro, they're like, the Sama Cum Laude. We're fucking, we're not even, we're freshmen, like in the dorms, just still fucking around, like yeah. not taking anything seriously. Like, yeah. all right, but let's get into some topics and uh, our topics for the week. Uh, first one I wanted to touch on, which was one that um, had been circulating around social media for a bit. And it's something that even outside of you know, people that are into fashion, people that are into streetwear. It was something that everyone was gravitating towards. Um, it was a a picture of a influencer. Her at name is Ari. I'm assuming her name is Ari, but at A-R-I-I. She's an influencer on Instagram. Pretty typical. Had about 2.6 million followers, which is uh, a, a, a huge stretch for, for an influencer. Like that is top percentile, I would say, in terms of, you know, following. Um, but she wanted to essentially release a, a clothing collection. And in doing so and marketing on her Instagram and using her followers as her consumer base, in total for her first collection, sold about 36 pieces. Um, and that's not 36 of one individual piece. That is uh, seven items total in her line and equates to 36 total pieces. <laughs> so that's like one shirt, five pairs of pants, <laughs> 10, whatever. Um, but I think the question here and why the conversion rate was so low and a larger conversation being about influencers is, you know, that following you would expect three point was at 2.6 million followers and you sell 36 items of clothing. There's something going wrong in this 
equation here because it just does not add up. Yeah. You know, I'm not one that's very good at math or anything in general, really. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, 36 versus 2.6 million followers. Like like you said, it doesn't really add up. And um, I don't know. What do you what do you think it is? Like, what's your take on this? Personally, I think that influencers nowadays, they lack substance. You know, there's only certain amount of categories that you can put an influencer in and almost like buckets nowadays, you know, are you a Finstagram uh, or not Finstagram? Are you a, a Fitstagram where you focus on, you know, showcasing yourself as a, as a well-built, um, healthy wellness machine? Are you a shout out Emily Oberg? Shout out. Em- she's, she's, she puts on more than one hat in regards to <laughs> being a, uh, an influencer, but are you, like strictly just a an influencer like that is even just its own topic where you just take brands and you constantly tag them and you're just known to have a really good opinion about shit uh, and, and then there's just the hot people like the really good looking people that just get paid and get followers because they're attractive and i think if you don't carve out your own sort of you know, your own niche in regards to being an influencer, then you kind of blend in with the rest. And, you know, we're all tired of being sold shit. You know what I mean? And if we don't fully believe in the person, we don't fully believe in the product or what their story is, then you give us no reason to buy your shit. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, everybody is, for the most part, starting to wisen up to you know, consumerism and thinking about, thinking more about why, like you said earlier, why we buy the things that we buy. Um, and I think especially in the streetwear community at, you know, since this is a streetwear podcast, um, I think in the streetwear community, like we always talk about authenticity and storytelling is always so important. That's like one of the biggest keys of, uh, streetwear and why it, why it's such a phenomenon. But I think that, you know, just because you have 2.6 million followers, I don't think that necessarily does anything unless you have some sort of, like you said earlier, substance behind it, you know? So tell me, why would you, what What are your reasons for going to an influencer? Like, why do you follow certain people you may not even know in person or maybe not have even met them or or any of those reasons, but you follow them for a particular reason. Uh, why do you follow some of the people that you ha- like follow that are like quote unquote influencers? Like what are the reasons behind it? Um, a lot of the times it's for, I don't know, I guess inspirational purposes. Like I'm not, you know, I'm very rarely, I don't think I've ever bought anything because an influencer or whatever was wearing it or was promoting it. Um, so I don't know, it, it, I guess I'm just that type of person that, you know, takes a step back and actually thinks about what I'm consuming, whether it's like a product or like what I'm viewing, um, like on a screen, Yeah. but you know, like it's, it's kind of the same thing, but I think that, you know, like just getting inspiration, whether it's like, for instance, like these sneakers are coming out, how are people wearing them? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. That like, that looks sick. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not necessarily pushing me to buy a product or consume something. It's just 
for me, it's more so the I like ideas, not necessarily like tangible physical products. It's more so like ideas that I'm taking away. Yeah, no, I feel that. Uh, for me, it's definitely like being educated and entertained. You know, like there's people that simply just make me laugh and that's the only reason that I follow them. Um, making me laugh doesn't always equate that I'm going to buy your shit either. But there's also people that are, you know, really educative in regards to how they use social media. So following people like a, you know, oftentimes like a, a, a Benny Gold, a heel sort of throw pictures out of, of old, like historical archived, you know, streetwear pieces or talk about the design process for his particular design. And I feel like that stuff's really interesting and actually worth something, you know, and it gives me a reason to further invest into this person. And that's the key word here. It's investing in who you're following is essentially, you know, that equates to money that equates to attention and both of those things, if you have them and you have an actual core following, actually have followers that are invested in you as a brand, as an account, that's where the money comes from. Yeah, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of using that word investment and like investment in whatever it is that you're doing if you're an influencer. I think that you know, I mean, honestly, with anything, any sort of business, because, you know, being an influencer is technically, you know, you're, you're a business. Um, I think that it's, you can have a customer, but it's, is that customer like invested in you? Exactly. So Re recurring instance, customers are huge. Yeah. yeah. Or returning. Yeah. Sorry, not recurring. That's the same shit terminology. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's like nine in the morning right now. It's yeah. super early. It's fun. No, we're grinding, we're working. Yeah. But um but let's move on to the next next topic here. And something that I thought was really interesting in how it was showcased, and something that, you know, not a lot of streetwear brands actually commit to doing is, you know, around this term of transparency, right? Um Noah NYC, I'm just gonna call them Noah Clothing, because that's what they are on Instagram, since we're talking Instagram. Um they're doing a four-part segment uh, sort of explaining why, I mean, just to keep it very candid, why their shirts cost more money, <laughs> right? Like yeah. there's a more uh, educated way of saying that <laughs> in a very sociological aspect. But essentially what they're doing is, uh, and it, there was a blog article on it, right? They, they sort of partnered it with like a blog post. Yeah, yeah. So they're talking about why, I'm I'm so I'm assuming people are asking why the prices for their clothing have gone up a couple of dollars compared to, you know, when they first started uh with their line. And the way that they sort of highlighted it or illustrated it was basically showcasing the differences between the year that they had started their clothing line to now and the wages and the the essentially their costs, if we're talking about it from a business point of view, their costs incurred and why that relates to the price of their clothing having to go up. So one of the, the main highlights, at least from their Instagram post, was showcasing that the was it the the like the wage, um, the minimum not minimum wage, was it minimum wage? I think it yeah, I think it was the minimum wage. Yeah, the minimum wage of uh 
you know, their, their, their labor force, wherever the fuck it is. I think it's Canada. It's, uh, right? it's Canada. Yeah. Within Canada went up, uh, what is it? A dollar? Uh, let me just check a dollar or two. Yeah. It went up previously. Yeah. And 22.4%. You know, so it's like three, almost like $3, which is like, you know, it's, it's impactful. You know what I mean? Wait, um, Canadian dollars or U.S. dollars? Canadian dollars. <laughs> okay. So maybe it's not that important. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, in, in any sense of business, you know, when, when one aspect of where your funds, where your income is going has to increase, there, another area has to decrease in order to maintain that, you know, that profit margin. So if your the amount that you're paying your employees goes up, then something else has to go up too to balance it out, you know? Because yeah. we're not in this business, we're not about taking hits. <laughs> we're not just going to be like, oh, you know what? Like, that's okay. Like, how would Canadians say it? Hey, like, that's okay. Hey. Like, <laughs> we'll give them more money, eh? Like, <laughs> like no. I'm like, pretty sure they speak like English. You're, but they just. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what accent. Hey, just to be candid, like we are like from the Bay Area and we are, war- well, one of us is a Warriors fan, but we know Canadians to be the nicest people in the world. Uh, so <laughs> we're just yeah, in play. Uh, we're just in finals mode right now. So we're being a little harsh, but uh, you know what I mean, eh? <laughs> but for the most part, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. What this means in regards to uh, what Noah's doing, which I think is a is a is very much them, you know, like the way that they communicate to their their audience, the way that they communicate in general is very much. We're not hiding shit from you guys. If anything, we're being overly transparent, so you guys can never come back to us and say we never told you so. And yeah, they're, they're like almost too transparent. Like, yo, yeah, I don't, I don't, but I, I don't want to know about I, that shit. Just give me cool stuff. <laughs> Can I'm you just, just release this in a regular colorway? Like, no, yeah. but uh, but for for us at least, and being um, you know a bit more introspective with with streetwear, seeing this stuff is actually less research for us. One, but also a really cool uh, inside look into how the business is run because we always question shit you know what i mean when it comes to streetwear we saw how supreme prices changed in regards to like t-shirts one at one point being you know this price and now it's like four dollars more or why does supreme now charge sales tax when before that they didn't you know like it's price points and, and measures like that that really have or really get consumers to think like well what the hell like why is it more expensive now compared to before and the way that noah highlights it or illustrates it um makes me feel better or a little bit more justified in like making that purchase you know yeah and you know i don't think it for me it doesn't necessarily make me want to buy the product more knowing that okay like i get it like wage increase uh they're trying to take care of their employees and you know that doesn't necessarily like make me want to buy it more because obviously like cost plays a factor in it still. Um, but I think I can sleep peacefully. Not that streetwear keeps me up at night sometimes, but, um, I'm just going to go to sleep because you're you're not willing to spend $5 more and fucking Canadian workers are like happy ramen at home or poutine or whatever it is that they have to eat. (laughs) 
fucking poutine. It's fucked wow. up, man. How could you sleep at night? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you know, it's like five <laughs> less cheese curds on top of their poutine. <laughs> okay 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 no but 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 yeah i think you i think you make a point like to most general consumers this doesn't make a difference it's still yo your shit's still too expensive you know yeah but i think like at the end of the day it 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 helps me you know feel at ease knowing that okay i know why it's more expensive like i know you're just not trying to you know get off on me by like charging because the brand is bigger you know what i mean like you would think that that's typically how it goes it's like um i want to put it in in the terms of Jesus and marrow the brand is brolic you know what i mean and we're gonna charge you more and this is why it's justifiable is because we are a hot commodity we're in every store and typically that's how business goes too like if we're popping we're gonna raise the prices you're still gonna pay for it and the whole supreme mentality is a real thing, but the fact that they're willing to shed light on why they're increasing their wages. I mean, of course, popularity plays a role into it as well. Let's not get that wrong, but it's nice to see that there's not this like, you know, evil puppeteer sort of mimicking us to like buy their stuff. It's like, hey, like uh, this is a part of the business. Like you guys shouldn't be surprised, but here's the reason. One of the reasons why we're doing this, which is uh, uh applaudable yeah and i think you know noah does a really good job of highlighting not only the wage increase but also why they want to take care of their employees because i think they mentioned it in the blog post and i'm sure it's still up so you guys can go check that out but um they talk a lot about how you know like canadian fleece is like a big deal so why you know supreme does canadian fleece for their hoodies noah like i'm sure tons of other brands do quality stuff with their canadian fleece but um you know, like it's, it's a skilled craft, you know, people are actually doing this by hand and like working people, the people at these factories have worked there for like years, if not decades, you know, so like their pay should, you know, reflect that, um, you know, because we like to think of people who work in like the clothing manufacturing businesses, like, oh, like they're just, you know, on an assembly line doing just like doing the same thing over and over. Like they're not really skilled workers, but you know, like it, it takes a lot to produce a piece of clothing or a collection or, you know, things of that nature. So um, obviously, I think the price should reflect that. And, you know, like wages are obviously important to everybody. So, yeah, that's actually a good point, because I don't think a lot of people understand why when we're looking at brands like Visfilm, uh, brands like Undercover, you know, general pieces where it comes to like, oh, that's just a T-shirt. Why is that? $100 or $90. You know what I mean? There's always things in question of why things are way more expensive than your run-of-the-mill streetwear brand. And you make a good point is because quality essentially equates to cost. You know what I mean? So what you're paying for is what you're going to get. And in the case of Canadian fleece and Canadian materials, like CYC hoodies are almost top of the line in regards to what brands use to exemplify quality. And when you, the, the, the fact that you mentioned, you know, hand, you know, hand sewed, like actual labor workers doing it, it's not just a, a shirt that, you know, comes off of the, 
how are shirts made? <laughs> I'm just trying, I was going to say the shirt tree, but I was, but the shirt stork. Yeah. I'm just imagining how, you know, shirts are made in bulk, but, but yeah, like you, you're right when you say like the, these I'll people, tell you when you're older, <laughs> these people and the way that they're doing stuff is, um, it's far, for farther beyond, you know, how, you know, general, uh, widely produced things are made and that's why it costs more uh, more money. But at the end of the day, we applaud Noah for being transparent and we could only ask fucking every brand to be like that rather than just ripping us off for the key, for the sake of ripping us off. Yeah. All right. Let's get into this last topic, which I think is a very interesting one since we've covered episodes before about it but we're starting to see um you know a transcendence of you know streetwear being involved in like this i wouldn't even say formal ed- education but sort of being involved in, in in wanting to explain more how to do it how to start a brand how to be in the world of streetwear um i think benny gold just released a skillshare i don't even know how to describe skillshare it's like a Kind of like an online tutorial educational course, right? That's what it's going to be. Yeah, that, is. that you have to uh, that you have to pay for. Yeah, so subscription based, almost like paying for classes, but um, it, it's tailored to whatever it is that you feel is important to learn, whatever hobby or interest you want to pick up. Um, but we're starting to see, and for um, sorry, I'm going to use this as a reference, but Benny Gold released a Skillshare uh, course, sort of explaining. I think it's essentially how to start a brand, right? Yeah, um, I think he did. Yeah, didn't he do like the whole brand thing? And then I think he did like a design one, like a design yeah. process one. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Just Staple is famously known for having his online course of starting a brand and creating logos and all that stuff. So there's all there's always been this this outside. Um, what do you call online courses? Like secondary education type thing. Yeah, it's like if YouTube became community college basically yeah (laughs) here we go talking about school again but but yeah um so basically what we're trying to get to is the new york fashion institute of technology which i still don't understand how that has to do what the technology aspect has to do with clothing but sure um but new york fit uh was one of the first schools fairly recently to incorporate streetwear and athleisure as a category in their yearly sort of end of the year showcase, which is essentially just a giant fashion show. And if we're talking FIT, we're talking like, uh, I'd say the central hub for where a lot of, uh, talent within the fashion and streetwear. And I wouldn't even say streetwear industry, to be honest, but it could be fashion and streetwear industry come from basically a incubator for talent. Yeah, the next emerging designers. Um, Yeah, I mean, like FIT, Parsons, like all that, they all sort of hold the same amount of weight in terms of the talent that comes out of those schools. So Through design and and things of that nature. But in the mention of, of this being like the first time that they've incorporated streetwear and athleisure only shows the general trend of where this shit is going. Obviously, they're a little bit late because streetwear has been around for so long. Athleisure has been around for a couple of years now, but they're now seeing the sort of integral impact of what these two categories as its own thing 
can do for fashion or the fact that these two categories are now considered fashion. You know what I mean? And I think them being the first one is really going to sort of set the tone for what other schools do in terms of incorporating streetwear as potentially a course, um, a class, something that we can teach sometime in the future, which would be kind of sick. Um, but I think the main question here is how would they do it? How the hell does a, uh, an institution like FIT, uh, a private college, uh, a community college, a, a Skillshare, how do, how do they do it? And if we could do it, what the hell would we do? I feel like it would essentially be this. It would essentially be a, a live podcast, just not being recorded. I feel like. So we could start charging is what you're telling me? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> right. Cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> this podcast is now soon. sponsored by <laughs> New York FIT. <laughs> That's, that'd but, be funny if we just cut off the podcast right here and be like, to purchase the rest of this episode, <laughs> please visit <laughs> our, our Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Financial aid. We don't accept that. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I'm just thinking because a lot of schools can do it. Obviously, everyone has um, access to the the Bobby Hundreds, the Benny Golds, the Jeff Staples, people who are, you know, integral to this community, people that know the A to Z process, obviously with a little bit of money. I'm sure they'll teach a class, they'll teach a course, they'll they'll educate. But what, what what's in it for us at this point being, you know, streetwear aficionados, what's in it for us? to have a course like this in, in a college? What if they, what if say, I don't know, I'm going to just get a name, a, a, a random college. What if someone like Harvard had a course that was, you know, introduction to streetwear and culture? What essentially would that do for, for our community and in, in being the streetwear community? Um, I don't know if it necessarily does anything. I think that, you know, it, it definitely solidifies streetwear as, you know, the giant sort of cultural machine that it is because it's, you know, getting that recognition finally. But I don't know if it necessarily does anything unless it's actually taught by somebody who, you know, has been in the shit and really knows, has experienced it, lived through it, knows what they're talking about. Because, you know, like it's, it's like with any, it's with it, like with any subject, if you're not, if you're a professor and you haven't really you know experienced the things that you're teaching it's like how you might be able to teach it but to what extent you know yeah exactly and that's you know we uh, we touched on this in the very beginning of this episode you know like obviously we can only provide our opinions and reviews on so much you know like i from watching videos from listening to interviews which i think are are gems in themselves you can learn the process and how to do things pretty much from A to Z, but actually doing them is an entirely different story. And having a course taught by someone who, you know, just had just recently read up on streetwear is different than if we had someone who was tenured in this shit and started multiple brands and seeing wins and losses. And I think that's a, a, a very important part to, to why that, you know, even for us, we find like, panels and talks to be 
like really, really cool. Like, you know, Bobby Hundreds has his book coming out. Uh, go to Amazon and RSVP or pre-order that shit. But he has a book coming out and he's doing his little book tour where he's going to different bookstores and doing talks about his book. That is, in a sense, in, in essence, a course, a class. You know what I mean? Like you're taking on some sort of curriculum and learning about this book, which to be honest, not everyone reads books, even in college. But for some reason, if it's about this subject that I'm super passionate about, then hell yeah, I'm going to read this book. This might be the only book I read all year, but there's some, some importance in having the right people teach these courses because to be honest, like I don't know if that would be the case if any of these schools really brought on um, an actual course surrounding our, our culture community. Like they have, like if, if we're talking streetwear one or one Oh one course, there's only like a dozen people that are, are capable of teaching that or if not like reputable in teaching that, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's kind of weird when you think about it because you know, all the OGs in streetwear always talk about how like, Oh yeah, I dropped out of college. Like I didn't really think college was for me. And you know, I just sort of carved out my own path by doing this brand and doing what I was passionate about. And it's, it's almost counterintuitive to, you know, like what they're, what they actually teach you at school. It's like you take the streetwear class and then Bobby Hundreds is like, yeah, you know, I dropped out uh, to pursue making my brand. And then like the next day, like no one shows up. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you make a good point. It's like, yeah. Like let's listen, listen to Bobby. You know what I mean? Listen, yeah. to, listen to yeah. him. But you make a good point because you know, streetwear is anti-establishment. Streetwear is rebelliousness in its core. And school, I mean, th- there's always uh, sort of conversations about, you know, uh, the curriculum of schools, you know, like let's teach our kids how to do taxes in high school. Let's teach them how to do do accounting or how to, I don't know, open heart surgery, whatever, like useful <laughs> shit for the real world. Because once you get into the real world, it's holy shit, nobody ever taught me this. And if yeah. YouTube was never around, you'd literally have no access to information. I mean, there's libraries and shit, but who's reading books? You know what I mean? So it really comes down to the right person. And also, does this subject field, being streetwear, does it belong in schools does it does being in schools or what people are going to call being institutionalized does it water down what streetwear is um i i that's a very like like very broad question i think i think it's still too early on to see um i don't know i'm trying to think of like other subjects where you know like it got introduced into like uh, into a school setting and it sort of watered it down, but I can't really think of anything. Yeah. Um, Like you're right. Like there's no, it's, yeah, it's, it's almost like having like a class on hip hop. Yeah. You you know, like let's go, let's go to my, my, my hip hop course or like the history of, of, of rap. Like that is only like a minor section of what that actual community or what that lifestyle or culture is. And if it's not taught by, little pump or two chains, I'm not going, you know what I mean? Like it's not worth my time because if I'm going to go and listen to someone talk about rap or streetwear or skateboarding, I want them to be the most tenured in that. And I want 
it to be its in its true form and almost like I don't even think it belongs in a in a classroom you know like even being in a classroom somewhat waters down like a lot of um these communities or cultures that are like strictly like rebellious and gritty and supposed to be like that there's something about it being clean that um I think almost takes away from it but and let me bring up the opposite point because it's not always that way, right? Because if we look at the Virgils and the complex cons, there is a cleanliness to what streetwear is. It's just, it's almost like putting makeup on the pig. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, it's still streetwear, but you know, it, it it's, it's already currently somewhat being like institutionalized in that way, but at least it's being done by the people of the industry versus some outside group taking it on because it's the next cool thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, like you mentioned earlier with the whole classroom thing, I think, you know, streetwear is such a broad topic to discuss and to learn about. I I think there's only so much you can learn in a classroom, uh, taking like one course, you know, like there's only so much because there's so much out there. Um, You know, streetwear has been around for decades and, I think, like you mentioned earlier, like a hip hop class, like you're only going to delve into it so deeply. You exactly. Know? Like you're not going to get the full experience in that one class. Um, I think like it's just it's one of those things where, you know, like fucking uh, what's his name? Uh, what's that guy? Gary V. He's like, you're not going to learn how to do you're not going to get buff by watching somebody else do push ups. You know, like you actually exactly. have to do it. Yeah. You know. And that's why I think in conjunction with uh, like a streetwear 101 class, if you combine that with things like, you know, brand identity course, graphic design, uh, textile manufacturing, what, what are some of the classes that you were taking um, at, at, at school that was revolving around fashion merchandising, like things that uh, are yeah. that you can learn and also get right into the field, whether it's working at an acne studios or working at a streetwear store, you know how to implement what you're learning in school into essentially what I'm assuming if you're in streetwear 101 is potentially starting your own brand. You know, like that's everyone, everyone's goal or most people's goal. If you're into streetwear, it's let's start a brand. Let's make noise the same way that some of my favorite brands do. And I think there's a place for it. You know, I just think, uh, like you said, it's still very premature, but I do think that there's a place for it. And I think we just got, got to wait and see, because literally the FIT is the first ones to really, really hone in on it as it, as being its own thing. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see what the outcome is and, you know, how it's received. I think, you know, you know, obviously, like at a fashion school, it's very fitting for them to do it. You know, I think if your local community college starts doing like a streetwear, like introduction to streetwear class, that might be a little, I don't know, that might be a little out there. But I think, um, you know, it's it's always interesting to see that dynamic and how streetwear is sort of inserting itself into, I guess, more of the mainstream, like, you know, like school education and just every other facet of our life. Uh, streetwear seems to be sort of like creeping in. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So before we end off this episode, I like to end it with a couple of last words, something that, you know, to leave the listeners 
a little bit of a takeaway. I mean, we've been talking for about an hour, so there's probably some information that you've already taken away. But I kind of want to separate this from the actual podcast episode and something that we want to do every episode is give you guys the inside scoop on things that we've been researching, things that we think is the next you know, up and coming brand, next up and coming release, whatever. Um, so I think we could do that now. I'll just start and say like one of the brands that I've been following fairly recently and that have actually been doing really cool things has been, um, and we've obviously created a whole episode about Eric Brunetti and Fucked, but Fucked, um, I've been paying atten- a little bit more attention to them a- as of recently and sort of following the whole uh uh, dilemma with them being uh, in the Supreme Court and shit. Um, yeah. But I've always liked what they did and their graphics are always A1. Like I'd say top five in terms of uh, their graphics. What would my top five be? Um, maybe like Undercover, Supreme and like Fucked and some other ones. But uh, I've been following their, their their releases fairly recently. And one of the ones that got me really excited is uh, Fucked and Richardson. Richardson's like a very like cutting edge, almost like what I was going to say, what pleasures, uh, what was going to be, what pleasures could have been, not, not could have been, but Richardson, (laughs) Richardson could have been pleasures essentially is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, the, their, the, the way that they do things is very like cutting edge and, um, very gritty. And and I like what they're doing and in conjunction with fuck, it's kind of like two of the most, fuck you rebellious type streetwear brands currently out right now making some really cool stuff. So I'd say look out for that collaboration. That one's, um, that one's sort of like top of mind of like things that I think are going to be kind of cool. And I think that releases in like a couple days, maybe this weekend. Uh, if you're listening on a Friday, then it's probably out tomorrow, but don't quote me on that. Uh, let's see who I've been fucking with recently. Um, it's been a lot of brands or just like a lot yeah. of things I come across. Yeah. Uh, I think I mentioned last time that Babylon has been killing it. Yeah. Uh, their cut and sew has been really good. So I'm still like riding that wave. Um, who else? Uh, Verdi's other brand, uh, Wasted Youth, like oh, a skate yeah. brand, has been really good. They've been popping off. Um, they did a lot of really good collaborations. They did one with uh, Neighborhood, which they had to pop before. Babylon 2, uh, they did a collaboration with them. Um, I don't know. Anything that Verdi's touched recently has just been like gold. I'm um, just mad that the accessibility for Verdi's shit is completely in Japan and New York. Well, most yeah. literally only Japan at this point. Like there are no retailers in California that sell Wasted Youth, which really sucks. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know, like he just, I don't know, whatever, like his, his aesthetic, like graphics wise, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Like it's, it's very reminiscent of American pop culture, which is like a huge, which is huge in Japan, obviously. But, um, I think, you know, that's a brand to watch out for. And, you know, if it ever does land stateside, um, like an, on a wider scale, then, uh, I think it'll be really successful. And I think just backing by Nigo that just says it all. So yeah, that's Nigo jr. Basically, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like did us like a clone of him already like yeah. killing it with the best yeah. rappers and everything. So, uh, yeah, I'd say look out for, for those two, um, those two brands, those two collections, do some research, find a new brand, man, find something new every day. 
Um, and on that note, I'd say, you know, that's the end of this episode. Be sure to follow us at No Chance Radio on all uh, social platforms. DM us. I know a couple of you guys that have been DMing us saying you've been listening uh, or just started listening. That's really cool, man. Like we support anyone that's catching on uh, a little late, but um, welcome to the party. <laughs> and that is episode 89, act two of the No Chance Radio Show. We'll catch you next week. Peace. <laughs>